I wanted us to take a minute to uh, encourage and thank all the uh, children's ministry uh, workers who just rotated back into service. Where are you? I want to say thank you. We all say thank you, especially to our coordinators, uh, Michael and Kathy Johnson, uh, who help with coordinate a lot of work for the kids. We want to say thank you. Also, there's a lot of a lot of volunteers that are behind the scenes. You know, they have, we have ushers who come in early and set up and get the curtains up, and uh, and for Renee back there with the sound and all the things that you may not know. There are a lot of volunteers that make this church great. Uh, Lewis and the song leaders, and we just wanted to say a big thank you to you. Thank you so much for making our church a family and a great place to be. We're very very grateful to you. Um, if you want to uh, get any messages uh, from today or from uh, earlier in our in our uh, month, you can go to shorelinecoc.com. You can download it. You can put it on your iPod. You can listen to it. Uh, please do that. I'm covering a concept today. This is our this is our next week's um, series starting uh, transforming grace. Uh, we're going to start the next week. Today we're going to start a series. Or a a lesson that I did last week that I thought would be beneficial for those that are coming back into children's ministry. And I added a few different items to it. The concept of the sermon today is about being present. Not being in the past. Not being, you know, terrorized by memories from our past. Not looking forward too much where you're discontented. But enjoying the present. You know, it's very difficult for us today in our, in our age, in the world, to be present emotionally. Amen. When, you're, when your spouse is trying to talk to you. <laughs> to be present emotionally for your children. To be present spiritually with God. That is something I think we all want. Is to be present. You know, for guys, you know, we have this nothing box. Yeah. You know, people, our wives ask, what are you thinking about? Nothing. nothing? And it's honestly, it's, we're not lying, it's just nothing. When you put a remote in our hand, we don't think about anything. So it's a mind, a mind blank. You know, women have it too. Sometimes women, you know, during, during, during dinner, they hear the ding. They're like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And it's there, because they want to be present emotionally, but they're not, they're present for someone on the text message, but not present for their family at the dinner table. You ever do that? That's my struggle. When I hear hear my phone go off, I'm going like, ooh, it's someone I know. They need me. They need me. I'm wanted. I've got to help them. This lesson is about being engaged with God. Now, we do have an engaged couple here today, this morning. A friend of mine. A friend that goes way, way, way back. To when he was a college student at Cal State Fullerton. He was one of the students there. He actually did a great, when I left Cal State Fullerton, him and his other uh, sister, Laura, did a great skit about me and, me and Karen. I still remember it. Scott did all my mannerisms. I used to do, I used to do a lot of this. And Scott had it down to a T. And that's Scott McIntosh and Kelly Norris are engaged. They're not part of our ministry, but they've been coming here and there. And we just wanted to say welcome again. It's great to have you here, bro. Love you. It's been a great run. And he also helps me out with the with the U camp. He runs all the sports for our camp for the kids. So he's a fantastic brother. Um, okay, so being present. So one of the things we see in the Bible about someone who was present, and it was it's inspiring. When you read this, you are inspired. Enoch walked faithfully with God three hundred years and had other sons and daughters. 
Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. You know, when I read that passage, I read about someone that was fully present with God. That from, you know, 365 years, you know, that is a, a man who is faithful, who is engaging, who is consistent in his relationship with God. You know, a lot of times we become Christians and then we think just by coming to church on Sunday, we're walking faithfully with God. That, that's, a, that's a myth. That is not true. There are a lot of people that come to church on Sundays that will wake up one day from their death and will not be in heaven. That is true because Jesus says, few are saved. Few desire this relationship. And in our, our age today, there are so many things that are stopping us from having a faithful relationship with God. And I'm going to talk about that. There, our culture is set up for you to fail if you don't pay attention. You know, Enoch was present. His reward was eternal life, and God gave him that. His focus was heaven. You know, there are a lot of gods in our culture today. You know, we have the OMG God, right? Oh my God. When I'm in trouble, when there's an emergency, when there's a crisis, I go to my knees and I say, OMG! And that's like a, this is a generic version of a higher power. Come save me. I've messed up my life. I've goofed up. I got the pregnancy test back. Oh my God, what have I done? There's that God. We've ruined something. There's the God, an L, as we call in the Bible, L. L should die, but there's, an, there's another L, a higher power. That's money. There's the God of money. We serve that God. We are so insecure about our future that that's who we worship, that L. Then there's another L, the L of the God of education. I must have this. I must have. I am not happy with my life. I must have a higher form of education. Education is good. When it becomes your God, there's a problem. There's an L of self-reliance. I don't need anyone but me. I can't trust anyone. I can't rely on anyone. I have to do it myself for it to be done right. I have to rely on me. Then there's the L of false sports. You know, all the dads get their... Get, get, get her fired up because fall season, sports time. i got to get excited about that. And many of us coach soccer teams and things like that. And these L's, these gods, these higher powers are trying to take something from us. And what they're trying to do is take away us walking faithfully with God. They just are. It's a reality. We live in a world that we're just not present. Yeah. School just started. And we're not present emotionally, spiritually. Because we're distracted. Yeah. You know, here are some things that, that common people, and myself included, we get distracted. We get sucked into, whoa. Yeah. We get sucked in. Start going on Netflix, catching up on the seasons. We, we spend like four days on Netflix. We just PB&J sandwich and we're on Netflix for four hours, man. We come out three days later, our hair is entangled, our eyes are sagging bags. We're like, I just watched three seasons of The Walking Dead. And then you're Walking Dead. You know, this kind of shows, you know. What's going to happen at the end? We get all, I can't wait to go home. I can't wait to turn on the TV. I can't wait to record it. Versus, I can't wait to open up the Bible. 
I can't wait to pray. I can't wait to have a relationship with God. We get more excited about things that take us away from God. And you know the excitement level. You know your heart starts to flutter. Oh, the season, that season, it's going to end. How's it going to end? And how do you wake up in the morning? Oh, yeah. There you are, old friend. I see you. And you see me. I'll open you one day. But you're just not that exciting anymore. We lose our our heart. Our Grey's Anatomy. That's a popular. I just I just took all the top ten shows on on the internet. That's what came up. Top ten. I didn't watch the show, but it, it was top ten. A lot of people watch Grey's Anatomy. I don't even know what's going on there. I don't know who's who. Uh, there's some crazy lady jumping in the middle. I don't know what her name is. <laughs> That's, these are things that distract us. These are shows that distract us and take our time and take our energy. Here's one I relate to. College football just started. I couldn't help this morning. Just get on and watch a few highlights. Watch some highlights. What's going on? Who won? Did Johnny Manziel win it? You know, I was all excited this morning. ESPN. These are things. They're not bad things. They're not evil things. In fact, some of these things are good things to have entertainment. But when they take away your ability to be present with God, it becomes dangerous. And it lulls you into a slumber where you think you're walking with God and in reality you are not. And it fools us. And it deceives us. You know, we, there are two major enemies of being present. One is being discontented. You know where that started? When, you, when your parents first put, first put you in school and you realized you were in school. Elementary school. I can't wait to go to junior high. My daughter's talking about, which junior high am I going to go to? I'm like, you going to that one. That's where you're going. You know, she can't wait. And when she's in junior high, I guess what's going to happen? She can't wait to be where? In high school. I can't wait to be in high school. And then you get tired of high school. Oh man, this is so, I'm, I'm so over this. You know, I can't wait to be in college. I can't wait to go to more Park Channel Islands or Cali. I can't wait. You get to college and you're going, man, I'm tired of being single. I'm tired of having no money. I want cash. I want moolah. I want cheddar. I want me a job. And you go get a job and you got money. And I got money, but I have no, I have no spouse. I have no husband. I have no wife. I need a wife. So you go out and you find a sister. You start going, hello, old friend. It's time for us to have quiet times again. I need a wife. I gotta find a wife. Look at this sister, I'm in Daniel. What are your thoughts on Daniel? You know, the theology, the apocalyptic nature of the literature here, you know, you start getting all, you know, theologian. And then you get married. Like, oh, we're married. I'm in the fellowship of the ring. I've done it. I'm here. I'm here. I'm present. And you know, you know what we need? Honey, you know what we need? We need children. Life is not life without kids. I mean, life. And then, and then you go out and have children. And then, you're, then your back changes because you're always doing this. No, no, it's like you almost have scoliosis. Because you're, like, you're always squatting down. And you're like, I'm tired. I can't wait till they get older and start feeding themselves. Make your own sandwich. Wipe your own mouth. You know, get up and go. Go. Go to school. Go. Go. I got an idea. Go and go and leave. Leave. Leave so I can be an empty nester. Go away. I love you. Go. Read some books. Read some books. Go. Go. Read some books. Get away. And I'm an empty nester now. Ah. 
my retirement. I gotta think about me retiring. I gotta put a lot of money away. I gotta retire. Yes, let's focus on retirement. And you focus on that. And in retirement, you focus on something else. There's always something else. And you never get to enjoy the present. Because we're discontented. And if you relate to that line of thinking, you have a problem with being present. I have a problem with being present. You know, a lot of times during dinner table, people bow their heads and they're not praying. They're on, they're delivering an email. It looks spiritual. It looks very spiritual. But they're, they're really disengaged. They're, they're going, they're not praying. They're responding. Because in our culture, we are so disengaged from the present. Let me show a scripture with you about a man who was disengaged. He was the king. He was a father. Right? He was, he's like us. He's a man. In the springtime, when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. In a time of the year when he should be off fighting a battle, he stayed back home. And he disengaged himself from the battle. And what transpires in David's life is astonishing. He was disengaged. He goes on the, on the palace rooftop. He sees a woman. He has her come over. He commits adultery with that woman. And that it was the wife of one of his finest soldiers. One of his friends. One of the men he fought in many, many battles with. He takes his wife and she becomes pregnant. And then to, to cover up the hideous act, he has her husband killed on purpose during a battle. David was disengaged. You know, for many, many years, David was very engaged with God. Half of the Psalms and the Scriptures are written by David. There were many, many years he was very engaged. But there was a time when he was disengaged. This is what happened. And when you disengage, you allow certain spiritual forces of darkness and you invite them in. And they take over. And this is the result. David, a man after God's own heart. This was a spiritual man. This wasn't some aloof guy. This was some, some guy who wasn't close. This was a man that God loved. And yet when he was disengaged... He did some terrible things. And that is sometimes what happens in our Christianity. We think we go to church, things are going great, but really we're just disengaged. And this is a matter of time before something happens in our life that shows us how disengaged we are. And this doesn't help. No. I, can't, I can't tell you how many people I see at Morphar College crossing the street, looking at that, and never looking around. Like They're assuming I'm going to stop at the green light. Right? They're swimming everywhere. The world is going to stop around me because I'm, I'm texting my friends, so everything's going to stop around me. I'm never going to get hit by a car. They're disengaged. Our world attracts us to check out. I love technology. I have an iPhone. I, I love corresponding quickly. I love technology. But there is a dark side to it. It, it takes my attention away from being present. Look at that thing. 
You want to go buy one right now, don't you? It's a good thought, Gia. Thank you so much, Gia. I'm going to go out and get one right now. Samsung, you're right. That's right. It's on sale. You know, without a certain type of understanding that you must be present, these things will take you away from where you can enjoy the present. How many times have you text messaged someone during church? Because we struggle with the present. We don't want to be here. We want to be somewhere else. And we're not present. And when we do that, we hurt ourselves. And it's hurtful in our walk with God. You know, multitasking is hazardous to your health. You know, they're doing studies now. When you try to multitask, you know, be on the phone, be on your computer, and be on a phone call. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, it, it, it slows down your ability to memor, memorize things, and, and, and it also uh, uh, stunts your ability to be creative. Yeah. It's Harvard Medical Journal. They're doing studies. It's harmful. And you've got students nowadays that want to be on their phone, FaceTiming, studying, listening to music. And, uh, you know, back then, it was, it was only two things. We listen to music and do our homework. And our parents were like, what are you doing? How can you concentrate? I can concentrate, Dad. Now it's music, our book, our text, our iPad, our laptop, and we're everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's multitasking, and it's actually harmful to your health. Turn it off. Set it down. You can be physically here, but not here. You ever have that conversation with your spouse? I need you here. Huh? What? I'm here. No, I need you right here. Present, right here. And you're like nodding, but it's like... It's like they're not there. You ever have that conversation? Yeah. With your kids, you're like, come here, I need to talk to you. You're like, you're looking around somewhere else? No, I need, I need you right here. Look at me, look at my eyes. And then you're eyes and they're still like, you're, they're not there. Like, wait a minute, it's not there. It's not that something's wrong with them. You don't take them to the doctor. Okay. It's just that they've been already, at a young age, they're learning how to be disengaged. You can't throw your kids in front of the TV for three hours and expect them to be like, yeah, mom, I'm fully engaged. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Don't expect your kids. You're going to throw them in front of a TV set and watch all kinds of shows because you want to do your thing. And they're going to come back all... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mom. First three seconds. If it's not interesting, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. And as it's moving on attitude, you have three seconds to entertain me or else I move on. And that's what this does. You better be interesting, and you better be awesome, or I'm not paying attention. And that's what it creates in us. And then we look at our good old friend, our faithful friend. Oh, I need you on my iPhone to be interesting. I need all the bells and whistles on my technology to make the Bible look cool again. And we lose sight of what is the most trustworthy thing in all the world, are the very words of God. You know, God is not a God of flash and razzle-dazzle. God is a, he's a God who screams for a relationship with you. And sometimes His voice cannot be heard because we're multitasking everything else. Yeah. And we don't hear the voice of God. And the Bible speaks to this very thing in, this, in the Gospels of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, we're going to take a look at where Jesus addresses the issue about being disengaged and about being discontented. He, he, he addresses it through a scripture in Luke 10 verse 38. And he comes across a family that he's known for years now. He's developed a relationship with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And he engages this this very topic we're discussing, this very concept we're discussing. He addresses it. As Jesus and his, his disciples 
were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. It's pretty awesome. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You know, Jesus rolled 12 deep normally. He had 12 apostles. Then he had like, outside the 12, he had probably had another 10 to 12. So this was, imagine you're at home, your husband says, hey honey, I invited the campus ministry over to the house this afternoon. You're like, whoa, what'd you do? You know, what's going on? So there's a lot of things to prepare for. When you have someone coming to your house and you have dog hair everywhere, you can feel like you got to pick it up. You feel like, what are they going to think about me in my home if they come over and my home's a mess? What are they going to say about me on Facebook? You know, you're, you go all kinds of stuff. You get weird. You go, it's got to be clean. Like, like, the house is fine. No, it's got to be clean. Okay? Distracted. Preparations. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. And indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, these women are pretty awesome women. Martha is a good woman. Martha is a disciple. Martha loves Jesus. Martha is excited to have Jesus over to her house. She's hospitable. She's a forward thinker. She's a planner. She's a task-oriented person. And she knew there were going to be a lot of disciples. And Martha sees that serving Jesus in this way is the best way to show Him that I affectionately care about Him. Can you relate to that? That's what we would do too. Mary is attentive to Jesus in a different way. Mary, on three different occasions, you'll find in the Gospels, she's sitting at Jesus' feet. Uh, one was when her brother Lazarus was very sick and dying. She ran to Jesus and got to his feet and asked him to help. And he, and he came late and he passed away and then he raised him up from the dead. Another one was when he was having dinner and she broke a very expensive bottle of perfume and poured it on his feet and wiped it with her hair. Pretty amazing. And the third one is this. He comes over and she sits down at his feet and listens to Jesus. And Jesus is not telling Martha, you're doing bad things. But there's something better. There's something better than your good. We do a lot of good things. But there is something better out there for you. Better. Mary and Martha are an example. Many Few things are needed. Martha thought many things are needed. i got to do a lot of things. Jesus, no, no. Just a few things are needed. Don't run yourself wild trying to do many things. You get distracted. You get disengaged. Phew. And he goes, even better yet, there's only really one good way, the best way, and that's what Mary has chosen. And it will not be taken from her. You know, we're involved right now in a lot of good things. You know, next Saturday is a good test of this. There's a lot of good things going on. Kids, games, soccer. Okay? We have a great opportunity to go to Gordon's class. we got school studying. we got a lot of things going on. 
Those are good things. But there's something better. The good, your good old friend, your faithful old friend. Learning more deeper things about your relationship with God. You're worried about your exams. You're worried about your kids' soccer teams. Yes, I know. I'm there too. But there are t- times there are better things. We do a lot of good things. But there are better things. Martha was not a bad person. She was just a distracted person. And we get easily distracted. And this is not just a woman thing. This is a guy thing. And a girl thing. This is a human nature thing. And more distractions are coming. And the more you put on your schedule, doesn't mean the more better you're going to... It means you're putting much more pressure on distractions and you're missing out on something so much better. Is having a close relationship with God. You know, it's a window in your life. I had that window 20 years ago where the window came by and, and, and Jesus said, hey, there are better things in life than what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, there is. And 20 years ago, I became a Christian because there were better things. And I had a lot going on. I had girlfriends, soccer, I had, I had, I had academics, I had, I had studying, I had all kinds of stuff going on. But there was a window that I saw. And I knew it was going to pass. So I better go through this window now. 20 years later, here I am today. In fact, the day I studied the Bible, the day I met a Christian, he said, you will be teaching others the Bible. I said, you are crazy and insane for saying that to me. I I had to slap you. Because it was insane. I don't like to approach people or talk to people about Jesus. That's uncomfortable. I don't want to challenge people. That's uncomfortable. I like to make friends with people. But here I am challenging your very faith. You are doing good things. But there are better things. And maybe you need to eliminate some things that are good so you can enjoy the better, so you can enjoy the presence. You can enjoy it here. You know, Jesus lived in a very agricultural world and He uses this analogy of a farmer. He says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. And the parable was about the farmer throwing a lot of seed out and it fell on different types of soil. And the soils reflect our heart's condition. And so the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. You know, I don't know about you, when I go to my little garden area, I know one thing that grows very fast, and it's not my plants. It's the weeds. The weeds grow so fast. And every time I pull it off, another one comes up. And this is the analogy. They are choked by worries and distractions. Because when you take on too much... It causes distractions. It causes worry. It causes uh, the inability to become mature. And that's what he's trying to explain to us. What's our focus? Where are you at? What's the number one competitor with God? What competes with God? Is it a TV show? Is it money? Is Is it your free time? What is it? Where are you? You know, when I grew up in the church, divorce was unheard of. Unheard of. Now it's optional. Now now people are doing it, actually. This is incredible. 20 years later, I'm witnessing it before my own eyes at the church of disciples. 
But it happens. It happens because we're disengaged. It happens because we're not present. It happens because we're discontented. And if we don't realize that, you will find yourself in the same place. Being a Christian does not guarantee you're going to be married to the day you die. You've got to work. You've got to be present. You've got to pay attention. You can't go, uh-huh, uh-huh. One thing my wife needs from me is I've got to be present emotionally. And it's so hard for me to do it. Because I grew up with disengaged parents. Disengaged, and all I knew was how to be disengaged and not paying attention to anything. And when I went to school, I was always talking to my, my fellow classmates while she's, while she's lecturing. And then one lady in, in, in the office says, Try to imagine yourself in a glass box. And they can't hear you. I'm like, Then I'll break the box. Disengaged. And that's what happens to our marriages. It's, it's a sad reality, but it is so true. And that's why I'm appealing to you married disciples. you got to really be present with God and with your spouses. Because there is a good soil. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart. And you hear the word and retain it. And by persevering, produce a crop. You know, your faith comes from hearing the words of God. And you retain it, and you persevere, you struggle through it, and it produces something of a crop for your life. A spiritual crop. And that's good. And Mary's a great example of that. Being present is not about you alone. It's also about your example to others. We have younger generation coming into the church, and that is the campus ministry. And they are an awesome bunch. We have 13 of them now. And we're fired up. We had two a year and a half ago. Now we got 13. And we're excited about that. But you know what, Marys? They're looking to your example, too. I know your Marys are going like, man, we need them to be fire us up. They need you, too. Yes, they will fire you up. Yes, they will be get crazy at church. Yes, that's all good. But they need your example, too. I had that when I was a college student. I said, man, I can't wait to get married. That's amazing. I had men like Jake and Nancy Jensen. I'm like, man, that's amazing. I can't wait to grow up and be like that guy. I had some really great examples in my life as a college student. 70 to 80% of disasters in life are self-inflicted. Do you believe that? Self-inflicted. The suicide rate for middle-aged men is on the rise. Rapidly in our country. Middle-aged men is on the rise. Sad. That's a, that's a statistic out of the CDC. You can go look it up. It is tragic what is happening in our culture today. And here's the, one of the remedies that Jesus wants all of us to embrace. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The things your very soul wants, it will be given to you as well. Just like He gave it to Mary, it will not be taken from her. When you seek God first, it will not be taken from you. Jesus will honor that. He'll respect that. But you have to make a choice. You have to decide, am I going to be present? 
Or am I going to be disengaged and discontented and I can't, I don't even like where I'm at today. I want to be over here. You might have a problem. Be present. It is your choice to make. Thank you so much for your time.